Welcome to the Airmail Podcast. Airmail is an e-card platform where you can set your thoughts free via email. My name is Mel and I am the owner of Airmail e-cards and the host of this podcast. You will find all of our podcasts to be just as uninhibited as our cards. So pull up a virtual chair and join in. Let me introduce our intriguing group of panelists. They all have education in their backgrounds and they all have a creative word for us. Let me begin with panelist Loretta A. Hawkins. Ms. Hawkins is an American playwright, poet, author, social activist, and retired educator. Born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, she grew up on the west side of Chicago attending Chicago public schools. She has earned five college degrees from Chicago City College Illinois Teachers College, Governor State University, and the University of Chicago. After having taught school for 34 years at every academic level, including as adjunct professor, she reinvented herself as a spoken word artist. She is the creator of four full-length plays, two educational workbooks, three children's books, a novel, four books of poetry, literary critiques, essays, and her work has been published or cited internationally. Hawkins' work of various literary genres have appeared in the following publications, African Literature Today, Teaching Today, Major Poets, Individual Psychology Reporter, the University of Chicago Magazine, and Education Week. She has won awards in all major genres. In 2016, she was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Poetry Award Society. Her first CD, Only One Thing, was awarded the best poetic CD of 2017. Her poetic name is Firekeeper, and she is a past member of POET, People of Extraordinary Talent, a member of ASE, Chicago Association of Black Storytellers, a company member and performing artist of Collaboration Theater, and a performing member of the Forgive Us Project. Her poetic and performing name is Firekeeper. Welcome, Ms. Hawkins. Ms. Betty Davis is our next panelist. From the age of eight until graduating from high school, Betty grew up working for her stepfather at Joe's Records on 43rd Street. Her grandmother suggested she either be a secretary or a school teacher. She ended up obtaining degrees in court reporting business education, and educational leadership. She has worked as a secretary, a bookkeeper, a court reporter, a business education teacher, a political volunteer coordinator slash office manager, a product consultant slash entrepreneur, an administrative assistant, and finally a published poet. Being an educator in the Chicago school public school system for over two decades, Ms. Betty Davis mentored and motivated many. While substitute teach, teaching at Kenwood Academy just prior to retiring, PE students challenged her to write a rap by the end of the class period. By the end of the period, she had written game and gave birth to a new voice. Her book of poetry entitled Growing Pains, Real Talk, Poetry for Young Adults allows her to continue doing what she loves to do, sharing her knowledge on her terms. Going into various schools provided her the fuel for her book. After publishing her book, she initially gave half of her books to high school English and counseling departments. Today, at home and in her travel, she still has the habit 
of gifting her books to strangers whom she feels drawn to with the intention to connect with people who would benefit from and appreciate her words. She has found that we all have similar experiences no matter which country or ethnicity, regardless of age or finances. Currently, Betty has become a storyteller thanks to the Goodman Theater's Generations, a storytelling group for seniors over the age of 55. She is a member of ASE, Chicago Black Storytellers, and NABS, the National Association of Black Storytellers. She has also maintained her membership in NCAW, the National Council of African Women, and GIN, the Global Information Network. Betty married Charles A. Davis over 41 years ago when the number one record was Betty Davis Eyes. They share three sons and two granddaughters. Welcome, Ms. Davis. Our final panelist is Ms. Barika Malika Wasami. Ms. Wasami is an author and educational consultant. She is the owner of Barika's Buzz and the founder of Sister Soul Speaks Sister Circle, where everything about sisterhood is discussed. Barika is also the organizer and developer of Sister Soul Speaks podcast, where a range of topics are discussed that focus on us and our communities. Barika is an author who has written for Lady Magazine, and is currently working on a fiction short story and her most conversational book about Americans' public schools and discipline entitled How Restorative Justice Restored Chaos in Urban Public Schools. Barika holds four degrees, a bachelor in psychology, a master's in special education, a master's in differentiated instructions, and a master's in educational leadership. She is currently working on her doctorate in reading, language, and literacy. Barika has been featured on Real Talk Podcast, and she also has been a panelist for National Lewis University. Barika is the president of the Black Student Union of National Lewis University and a representative for the Student Assembly. Barika is Pan-African and unapologetic African. She continues to defy all stereotypes of the Black woman and replaces them with the greatness we were born with. Barika often says, quote, one can't live the same life over and over and call it life. It's time we get to living, end quote. Welcome, Miss Wasami. This Black History Month, Airmail has a treat for you. We will focus on Black creativity in the form of poetry from Black poets. Welcome, ladies. Today, we are going to let their artistry just ooze into this podcast. So get ready to be tantalized by the words of these authors. I hope this encourages others to put their thoughts into words. Let's sit back and let the words of these dynamic women speak to us. We will begin with a poem by Loretta Firekeeper Hawkins. Loretta, would you like to tell us how you chose Firekeeper as your performance name and then give us a little background on the poem you are about to share with us? Yes, thank you. Uh, I call myself Firekeeper because during prehistoric days, there was a person whose responsibility it was to make sure that the fire did not extinguish because if the fire went out, the tribe perished. And so that person was titled, pardon me, that person was named the keeper of the fire. That was not their title, that was their name. And that was their lifetime job to keep the fire going. 
And so in solidarity with our ancient, ancient ancestors, I call myself fire keeper because I want to make sure I keep burning in our spirits what has transpired uh, within the um, society of black people in this country and, and, and practically all over the world. And we cannot forget our, our history because it has been said that those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. And so we can look at society today and see that there are attempts and force to try to move us backwards instead of forwards. So that is why I call myself fire keeper. And so um, in my background, I was a teacher for 34 years. And after I retired, I decided to reinvent myself as a, a spoken word artist. I have always been a poet. I have been writing poetry since I was um, in seventh grade. And I published my first poem when I was my, uh, my second year in college. And so um, I've, I have written hundreds, hundreds of poems. I have written plays, I've written um, essays, uh, literary critiques, uh, newspaper articles. I write, I write whatever I think to write. And so that is, that is my journey to write. And so tonight, I would like to start with a poem that I wrote and it's a story I want to tell. And it's a true story. And it is a story that uh, is heart wrenching. Uh, I was invited to a church one Sunday by a friend and uh, I did not know anyone there. And uh, I um, noticed a woman who, was, who had a small child attached to her. Uh, this the child was about three years old. And everywhere she went, he followed. Uh, if she went up to sing in the choir, he went with her. If she passed out fans uh, or, or programs, he went with her. Uh, wherever she went, he followed. He was attached to her. And I thought it was her grandson. Uh, and I inquired about the relationship. And I was told that what had happened was this child had been left in a vacant apartment for three weeks alone when he was under two years old. His mother had placed him in a bathtub and had gone out into the street. She was a woman of the night and she had gone out in the street and she had overdosed and passed out. And they had taken her to the hospital. And when she uh, recovered and, and gained consciousness, uh, the first thing she said is, where's my baby? And this is how they found him. And so I was so intrigued with this story, I was led to write about it. What was intriguing about the story was that she brought this child to church every Sunday. And this is one of the reasons I continued to go to this church, which was not my church. I continued to go there. And um, she brought him and he was dressed like a little, he could have been on Vogue Kids magazine, the way he was dressed every Sunday. And the, not only did she embrace him, the church embraced him. Every Sunday, he was called to the front and every dignitary there laid hands on him and the whole church prayed for him because this child was broken. 
And so I wrote this poem and it's called, God Sends an Angel. I heard his story. Yes, I heard it told. How this baby was left alone before he was two years old. And though I was new to this church and was a total stranger, I sensed the baby carried memories of infantile danger. Learned God had sent him an earthly angel. The night the angel came was the baby's holy night. Now this baby never let this angel out of sight. He was grueling with this angel who was now his mama, who took him from the misery, removed all the trauma because the angel had claimed him and God had retained him. The church had proclaimed him. Satan could not gain him. And I was a stranger looking at an angel, an angel with a baby. And I said, maybe this earth can be saved because this baby missed the grave. Not every day we see an angel walking down the street. How often do an angel and a baby even meet? But the angel became his mama. She took away the trauma because the angel had claimed him and God had retained him. The church had proclaimed him. Satan cannot gain him because she's the mama now. Satan has lost control. It's a story I've been told. It's not new. It's ancient old. It's to tell how God reacts when he sees how humans act how we sometimes lose our way, how our virtues sometimes stray, how we simply cannot cope, filled with cocaine, pot, and dope, how we lose all our hope and slide down that slippery slope where our lives are filled with wrath, which we've taken a different path, going to school and learn some math, how to read and how to spell, how to keep from going to hell, how to avoid this ancient tale of how life can make you fail. And when it does, God sends an angel to be somebody's mama, to take away the trauma. It's all good karma. And the church needs to shout because she brought this baby out, removed him from his misery, fulfilled his destiny. She wrapped her wings around him and said, I'm glad I found him. Lord, he is my son and his name is Cameron. And I know you have a reason that in this very season of my life, I now have a baby. And I know that you're not crazy. So I can't even say maybe because you sent this child to me to make him what he's going to be. Dear God, thank you for choosing me. I am the one to whom you gave. He is the one I had to save and I have gladly claimed him. You Lord have retained him. The church has proclaimed him. Satan can never gain him. Cause she said, I'm his mama now. Thank you. That was. Powerful, powerful. Thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> just deep in so many ways. And just, you you know, you can visualize like you're right there in the church with you. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you for that. Thank, thank you. you. Betty? Yes. You told us how the students of Kenwood challenged you to write a rap. Were there other situations that encourage you to write poetry? And also tell us about the poem you're about to read. What made you put pen to paper or fingers to keys? After the first poem, after the challenge by the Kenwood students, where I had never actually written a poem or let alone a rap, but I had grown up in the record business 
And I used to write the words to records because the customers couldn't remember what the name of a record was. So that's the only type of training I may have had to creative writing because I never read poetry either. So it was quite a surprise to me as well as to the students. And because I was going around subbing at various schools, high schools, and I would see different behaviors of the students, I would try to come up with a poem for the behavior that I saw that they would be accepting of understanding the message without me trying to be in front of them, pointing my fingers and shaking my head. So all of the poems that I have written seem to have come from that space where I was addressing situations in my personal life that I was experiencing or things that I saw. So the poem that I'm going to read first is called Let It Go, which I have found is something that everybody seems to be able to relate to. It doesn't matter what country I go to, what ethnicity, what gender. I am always reciting this poem to people who I feel an inclination that has gone through similar experiences that can benefit from those words. So, the hardest thing I have ever learned was how to let go before I get burned. I keep my eyes open so I can read between the lines. I can't believe all I see, but I could recognize the signs. Some people say they really care, but when you need them, they're never there. How do you let go of family when sometimes they're your own worst enemy? Then there are friends you've known all your life. They talk behind your back and bring nothing but strife. When people say one thing, but then do another, they pretend to be your friend and keep jealousy undercover. Can't forget those who smile to my face, expose all my secrets to leave me in disgrace. Of course, there are those who try to get in my box. Our stupidity took us both to the school of hard knocks. I've been through a lot, as you can see, but no longer do I let things get the best of me. Rather than dwell on objects of adversity, my secret weapon is called invisibility. When I ignore you, you no longer exist. Can't see you, can't hear you, and you won't be missed. Most people can't deal with non-recognition, but I refuse to allow them to change my condition. Blessed, not stressed, is my state of mind. If this is what you're after, seek and you shall find. Let go of the past. It's over and it's done. When you can appreciate each moment, you will have won. If that's asking too much, the least you can do is pray for acceptance 
to help see you through. In times of solitude, I like to re-energize, put everything on hold, then I close my eyes. Sleep is not what I'm aiming for. Reflection instead can refresh me even more. I take this time as the perfect opportunity to strengthen my soul and lift my spirit free. I release this anger that I have built up in store. I have to let go of the pain so to hurt me no more. I forgive you for all you may have done to me. Now I can move forward and accept what will be, will be. I love that. I love that. That is great. And, you know, for me, when I hear it, I, I hear wisdom. <laughs> you know, you seem like you've been through a few things and you come out and I hear healing. So I think uh, those are things we definitely, you know, <laughs> need to keep with us. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful, my sister. It's beautiful. Thank you, Thank you all. I appreciate Well, Barika, I am sure there's an interesting story to your poetic journey. Tell us what that is and tell us about the poem you are presenting to us. So my poetic journey is one of many avenues. I write, I write, and I write. And when I'm done writing, I get up and I write some more. <laughs> I am an author. Words are my freedom. It is my rallying cry. I have always been the voice of our people. Our younger generation needs to know our start and that we will be victorious. At this point, I think they're all kind of looking that we done lost this, but they need to know that we was victorious then and we're cycling back to be victorious again. This piece I'm about to do it's one of feelings, it's one of liberation, one of hope, one of victory. So sit back and enjoy this ride. I'm gonna tell you why we are so sick and tired. <laughs> Hashtag sick and tired is the new anthem in the black community. It has replaced the cry of we shall overcome. What did the black community really overcome? More of the same. All while we are continuing on that road of long-term pain. We are sick for not educating our youth. We are sick for someone else expressing our truth. We are sick for not being true to ourselves. We are sick to continue to ask our oppressor for help. We are sick for not wanting to be liberated and free. We are sick for allowing someone else to hold the key. Yes, we are sick, sick of the overshadow the constant forgiving, the wishing for equality, yet we have given up our peace, our ability to just live, and even more important, our sanity. The constant hashtag seems never ended. It appears that when we take one step, there's a public lynching that captures the attention. There's a protest, calls for justice, and even prayer, and somehow we end up back at square one. It's like a record. We play to the song ends. Then we hit repeat and play it all over again. We are tired, truly tired, tired of the pain, tired of the no game. 
This has been a fight that has lasted for decades with no end in sight. That tired pain of speaking in volumes, how the injustice simply carries from one decade to another. That tired pain of the constant having to prove yourself when we all possess the same qualities. Yet somehow it is not translated nor respected. The assimilation of giving up our culture, heritage, and traditions to reinvent ourselves as something we are not just to dim our light. We shouldn't have to ask to exist when we have been here since the beginning of time. Our rich history allows us to celebrate our true existence, even though there are rewritten ledgers and those who forego true events for a more accepting narrative we hear. We have to stand up and speak our truth out loud for everyone to hear. Although accepting this narrative, we are just like the river that has been pushed back for land. At some point, the river's water flow returns and reclaim what they changed to sand. Some will say we are all one people. Are we one people when these tragedies occur? Are we one people when there is silence from every other race? Every in individual possesses a moral compass. Some are just missing direction, which is why we have just this kind of case. I encourage you to be sick and tired. I challenge you to remove the hashtag that seemed to follow every name. I implore you to allow yourself to feel that pain. It is common for others to be confused about what we are asking, even though you know the answer to that question. It is some of you who push back instead of honoring the reality that that question has already been answered. If you continue to sweep the small path, pile of trash under the rug, it would become so big that there would no longer be a rug to cover it. This is what the world is experiencing right now. The rug has run out, and now we are just seeing the pile of trash. As my ancestors before me paved the way for me to have the right to express my voice, in my very unique way, my ancestors also provided me with a blueprint of what I should say. The more things change, the more they stay the same. We have to be the change agent that rewrites a new blueprint so our children would inherit more than just our ancestral traditions and jubilations, but they will gain a knowledge that paves the way for liberation. Don't be afraid to chase the things that set your soul on fire. After all, you can't live the same years over and over and call it life. The past can't be changed. It will forever be. It can only be accepted and turned into victory. Freedom, freedom. That is my cry. Freedom is my why. We have the skills. We don't need help. I'm claiming freedom all by myself. All right. All right. That was great. That was great. And yes, we are sick and tired of being <laughs> sick and tired. And I, I love the ending, the positive freedom. I know, ladies, I know you enjoyed that too. Yes. Yeah, that was great. That was great. So, you know, ladies, we've got going here. We got, you know, we have the, the words flowing and I'm sure the audience would love to hear from you again. So I'm going to ask um, Betty to start us off again and uh, tell us what poem you will share and what was the motivation for this poem? 
Well, it was kind of a difficult choice. I'm going to do turning negative on its head. And I chose it because it has specific instructions to teach people how. You know, we're always saying what you should do, but most people don't know how to do it. So one of the reasons that I like this particular poem is because if one follows the instructions, they would have a beautiful life. So again, this is called turning negative on its head. Negative thinking people have excuses for everything they say and do. It's always someone else's fault that they bring bad news and vibes to you. Whenever you see this person, they never have anything nice to say. They think the world is out to get them and nothing seems to go their way. It's so tiring to listen to them cry the same old dried up sad song. Nothing but bad luck follows them and everything always goes wrong. They wake up in the morning afraid to get up out of bed, having tossed around all night from worries filling their head. There is a way to change this gloom and darkness into a more positive light. But first, you must begin your day with gratitude for wanting a fresh insight. Just for seeking a better way, you will be surprised by what you'll find. Believing the answers will come to you will cause expansion of your mind. As time passes, you will find your new positive point of view will grow if you feed it with what you hope to become. Unexpected help will overflow. Creative visions of things to be will bring about emotions of hope and happiness. You'll begin working towards those goals, no longer played by troubles or stress. Learn to trust your intuition and let it guide you along the way. It will grow stronger as you use it more and more each day. There is much abundance in the world here for you to enjoy, enough for every single one of us, man, woman, girl and boy. Once you go along this path, you will never want to turn back for you will have learned the secret to stay on the positive track. There is a lesson in every experience that is brought into your life. Accept the bad along with the good and don't bow down to strife. You can handle whatever comes. You don't have to know why it was sent because all things are brief and fleeting. Don't forget to enjoy every single moment. If you feel overwhelmed, 
by things in your life, slow down, reflect, and meditate. Solutions will come with peace and joy if you just learn to wait. You become what you think about most of the time. So think only of good things. A thought has power, starting a chain reaction. What you manifest is what it brings. Like seeds that are planted, poison or wheat, good or bad, both will grow. Your mind is like fertile ground and what you reap comes from what you sow. So turn negativity on its head. Do not allow it to lead or guide you. Choose to be more positive instead and there will be nothing you cannot do. Oh, another great point. You know, I see elements that can be used for mental wellness in this poem because, you know, as we face so many mental uh, wellness issues in this country, you know, so many people are looking for ways to cope. And this poem seems to be uh, helpful um, to me. And I'm thinking it probably might be to some other people as well. And, uh, and maybe even if people could put down their thoughts as you did, you know, that might even help to, you know, release it. I know a former pastor of mine used to say, you know, like if you didn't um, say everything you needed to say to someone before they passed, he would say, write a letter and then burn it. I think it's something about putting your thoughts down um, that lead to a little bit of healing. So words have power. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Barika, we're coming back to you and we would love to hear from you again. What poem will you share with us this time and what is it all about? So this poem speaks to those who are always trying to be in somebody's business. You know them <laughs> folk, they always got <laughs> questions, always asking the who, what, when, where, and that why. This poem is going to tell them why they just can't pick me dry. <laughs> Information is what those who admire and despise you want. It doesn't matter how one obtains the information. You will go to any means to seek this information. You hear those say the people want to know. Social media has plenty of tea givers spreading their narratives like rivers, telling stories of what they deem to be true, talking the truth. What is reality is something totally new. Person after person dishing the tea, all of them singing the same song. I'm still trying to figure out why that matters. As the old saying goes, eat the meat and spit out the bone. You can't pick me dry. You got to put some water on me first because my plan is, is to leave you in thirst. It is my information and I choose who I want to share it with, not the other way around. You will be searching for my private answers and looking like a clown. Time will tell when you see, you seek information from me. I say what I want. 
I say what I please. I will never give you anything that you can read. By poking the bear, you are in for a scare. You are not ready for what is ahead because you can't handle the depth of what I said. It's not a good look for you to try and pick me dry. No matter how hard you try, the answers to all your questions will always be why. Oh, I love that. I, I, <laughs> I, I do love that. And I'll tell you what, we need to take that poem from, from middle school all the way through life. I you agree. Know, the mess starts really heavy around middle school and it keeps going. You know, it seems like some people just never grow up and never get it. No. So watch no. We, we need to just blast this somewhere. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, why? <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I really like that. That's good. Exactly. Exactly. Well, finally, we're going to hear a final reading from the Firekeeper. And uh, I'm excited to hear it and give us a little background on what you're about to tell us about in this poem. Uh, I realize that uh, most Black people realize that. We live in a white, so-called white supremacy society. And everything that we have learned in this white supremacy society is the reversal of truth, everything. So we can go back to Africa and say, when you take some people who are being peaceful, march them across the land, whipping them, chaining them, and you're calling them savages, who is the savage, okay? When you, when you do the things that you do, when we were taught black is, is ugly, well, why are whites now spending thousands, millions to get some color into their skin? Why are all the commercials showing white women with black men? Because they have discovered that white people are on the verge of annihilation because of the compromise in the ozone layer. They need sun, they need melanin in their skin to survive. We have melanin, we're rich in melanin. And so this poem is an affirmation of my blackness and it's called Black Like Me. I struggle to be humble in the presence of those not as black is me, not as melanated, pigmentated, elevated, God created black as me. I understand the universe is made of 95% dark matter and dark energy like me. My blackness protects me from the sun. I try not to boast of the sun and my blackness and our affinity, but being richly melanated, I understand. I hold the secrets to the universe, the essence of divinity. Therefore, I struggle to be humble in the presence of those not as black as me. And I have learned a polar bear, for instance, appears to be white, but the white appearance of his fur is to camouflage him from his enemy. If you shave the hair off a polar bear, he's black like me. His blackness absorbs the energy from the sun. The energy converts to heat. His blackness keeps him warm. All this time we thought that his fur keeps him warm, but that's not right. That's not right, his blackness keeps him warm and he's black like me. 
I struggle to be humble in the presence of those not as black as he, not as melanated, pigmented, elevated, God created black as he. I understand the universe is made of 95% dark matter and dark energy like he, his blackness in the Arctic keeps him warm. I further learned a beautiful zebra appears to be striped, black and white, black and white, but is that right? The striped appearance of her fur is to optically confuse her enemy. If you shave the hair off a zebra, she's black like me. Her blackness emits the heat from the sun. In other words, her blackness keeps her from getting too warm. I struggle to be humble in the presence of those not as black as she. And you know about the black crow. I cross my heart and hope to die if I should lie. It's the smartest bird to ever fly in God's sky. This bird can talk and it can use telepathy. But because it's black, it has a bad rep and my sympathy. Therefore, I struggle to be humble in the presence of those not as black as it. If you understand the words coming from my mouth, it's some deep sh sugar and it's sweet and it's deep. Whether red bone, tan, or ebony, if your old folks come from Africa, we be family. And we cannot let Willie Lynch's plan stay true and separate ourselves because of color or our hue. We be family, we be family. Our people make love lying on the line of the equator. They don't need suntan lotion. The sun is the potion. They love each other, they love the sun. The sun loves them like the sun loves some. Nine months later, a little one. Black as the universe, a gift from the sun. Black as a polar bear, a, a zebra, a black crow, the cosmic universe, cancer free, and black like me. Whether jet black, chocolate brown, or red bone, we all have to sing the same song. Because melanin makes our skin long last. It gives us energy and big ass sets. And yet, you still don't comprehend the value of your skin. Don't understand what you walk around in. Hey, your melanin costs more than rubies, diamonds, gold. If you doubt me, just look on the internet where it's sold. Just Google, what's the price of human melanin? Then understand what you're walking around in. So when somebody calls you black, oh, then ain't no need for any kind of frowning. In fact, it's time to truly celebrate. So when they call you black, say, God is great. I thank him every day for my melanin. I thank him every day for my black skin. And I don't care what anybody says or thinks. Our people built Luxor, the pyramid, and the Phoenix. The history book pretending they all lived in a hut and never mentioned Valley of the King or King Tut. Hey, the ancient Egyptians painted their kings and queens with jet black skin to show the world what color skin they lived in. And I can see without a doubt they're black as me. And because of that, I struggle, struggle, don't you see? And though I try and I try and I try and I try, can't you see? I still struggle to be humble in the presence of those not as black as we. Well, well, and way, way to close us out with Black History Month. I mean, you have summed it up and, and put the black where it needs to be and it's on top. So I, I, I just, I love that. I know ladies, you Thank love you. that too. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank so that, you. That really was a closer. Yeah. And I didn't even know it. It just <laughs> that was that was really great.
Well, it has just been great uh, with all of you. I mean, all of you all are very talented and uh, I know there's a lot more to come. Uh, and I can't tell you how much I personally enjoyed listening to each of you. And I'm sure the audience uh, will love listening to you as well. Um, I want so I to just... thank you for putting this on hey. and, uh, and promoting us in this manner. And uh, it was very enjoyable. I enjoyed the poets yeah. and both uh, awesome, awesome poets. Uh, I loved everything and you as a commentator. And I want to thank you all um so very much yes thank you you know i when i decided to you know do something different for black history month and highlight black poets i did not know it would be all women but you know (laughs) things always fall the way they're supposed to be Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. people are here when they're supposed to be and i just Mm -hmm. really appreciate the individuality of each one of you all and what you bring is such a great collection with the assortment of the of you all and i just I, I loved it. I loved it. So, um, I did too. Thank I you. Just want, you're quite welcome, ladies. And I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you. So, you know, I'm going to include whatever you want in the show notes so people can follow you. So, make sure, you know, I have everything there um, that you want to promote. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a quote by Dr. Mae Jemison. And it says, quote, never be limited by other people's limited imaginations, end Mm. quote. Please remember that it is important to continually connect with others. Be sure to go to airmail.me and send cards to tell others how you feel about them. Remember to subscribe to airmail.me and become a mailbird. You'll be the first to know when new cards arrive. Your mailbird status will also notify you when discounts are available. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook at airmail.me, Instagram, airmail underscore me, and Twitter at airmail underscore me. Don't forget to listen out next month for our next podcast. Airmail is taking flight. Bye for now.